Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Thanks again for joining us this week uh, as we land the plane on this series that we're doing on discipleship. Um, We're picking back up with part two of last week, which was discipleship, the ministry. And what does that taste like? What does that feel like? What does that look like? We're really getting into the nitty gritty, the practical outworking of this for the people of God. And before we go much further, and you and I talked about this from last week, we do want to clarify one point on a genuine church membership and a committed church membership we were talking about last week. We didn't get into Acts 2, which is one you wanted to do because we had to wrap things up. So before we jump into the other points and, and, and finish out and round out, let's pick back up on that and deal with Acts 2 and in regards to how it fits in with this idea of uh, genuine committed church membership. Well, there never was uh, another plan for making disciples. Right. It was always in the context of the local church. That's his church. program. Yes. And so we see from the beginning in Acts 2 when we see the day of Pentecost and see some things happening in relation to the giving of the Spirit and the sign of the tongues and all of that showing that the Spirit had baptized the church that they at the end of chapter 2 – it talks about how they met together regularly from house to house, broke bread together, participated in prayers, listened to the apostles' teaching. So what and, – and the Lord added to the church daily those being saved. So there's the converted church membership, but there's also this this commitment you see to the people they gathered. They – they sought to be under the teaching of the Word. They broke bread. In some cases, that referred to the Lord's Supper. Sometimes just ate together. But they, they later came to participate in things called love feast. Mm-hmm. But um, what you're seeing is a regular participation in what became the stated activities or meetings or uh, actions of the body of Christ. And kind so, of that organized yeah, it came to be more organized. You yeah. see, later Peter's in prison, and they're all gathered together praying for Peter. Um, they're gathering on the first day of the week, First Corinthians. You know, they are taking up collections when they do that. So, all the way to the point of how we do deacons, elders, all the offices of right. the of the church, and what that looks like, and how we so you elect those, if you will. You're seeing a participation there right. by disciples right. as they grow and become more mature disciples. Okay, so just kind of clarifying that, giving more scriptural background to what we talked about last week. But we're going to jump in and now continue and point four. We have seven points we're dealing with. Um, you know, Last week, I'll just remind you, we dealt with the clear and biblical gospel. We dealt with a distinctly biblical church. And number three, a genuine church membership, which we kind of talked about here as we opened up uh, to clarify. And now we're looking at number four, which will be a gospel faithful preaching, teaching and preaching ministry. What is a faithful gospel, faithful teaching, preaching ministry look like, and what does that mean for discipleship? You know, the pulpit is not a place where Johnny Carson gets up and tells a few jokes. I'm sorry, I'm dating myself, but (laughs) Jimmy Kimmel or whoever gets up and says some funny stuff, you know, Jay Leno, whatever. It's not the Jay Leno show. Well, he's even the past, too, by the way. Yeah, he is. He's an old guy, too, now. They got rid of him. Right. Got rid of the old guys. But anyway. it's not it's not a conversation. 
It's right. proclamation. Right. And so the pulpit is is the center of the biblical ministry of the church. It's the focal point. There's a reason why churches over the years have put the pulpit, the place of preaching, up and in center. Right. Front and center. There's a reason for that. Paul refers to the whole idea of this preaching, teaching, gospel ministry in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. He's written one small letter to Timothy. This is his second. And he is challenging Timothy with some of the last words he'll ever speak. I don't know if Timothy spoke to him after this. Maybe right. not. That and we know says, of anyway. Uh, then uh, he challenges him uh, in season, out of season preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and all patience and teaching. For the time will come when we will not uh, endure sound teaching, but will heap to themselves teachers to scratch their itching ears. There are four concepts, at least four concepts in there about a biblical preaching teaching ministry. One is that a, a, a biblical preaching and teaching ministry should convince, reprove, has the idea of rebuke, has the idea of, of convincing people of something, uh, of a truth. That the, the idea is not to, um, you know, we want to make people feel good. Right. Now, there's a place for making people feel good when they feel bad. If they are hurting for a reason that is, you know, not because of their own sin, but there's also a place for making people feel bad. And and so we want to convince people of the importance of holiness, the importance of sound theological teaching. Churches should be a place where theology is clearly taught, and which means that we have to secondly confront. People have to be confronted, and that's one that really kind of starts getting at the height of some discipleship-type work in the sense of that one-on-one. Because you're going to confront in preaching, but you're also going to confront personally. And what preaching will allow you to do is to give you a springboard by which to approach on a personal level. Yeah, and then it can also be supported by if churches have what they would call Sunday school uh, ministries or Bible study ministries right. or small group ministries. These things can be supported by that. Those who are teaching in those situations should always be in support of the biblical pulpit, pastoral preaching, teaching ministry. If they can't support it, they don't need to be teaching or else we're going to have a lot of confusion and division. Right. So there's a confronting, there's a convincing by the Word of God, people of their sin, of the truth, of theology of the reality of Christ, of error, and uh, then there's challenge and reprove, rebuke, exhort. We are to be challenged from the pulpit um, with the truth of God. And what does that mean? It means, tell me what I'm supposed to do. What does the Word say I'm supposed to do? Don't leave me hanging with just, oh, man, that was really, that was really good. Mm-hmm. No, tell me. He explained that well as far as what it means, but now how does it apply? Do this. Right. The Word of God tells us to do things. Apply this. Yes, that's important. The other aspect of a biblical fourth aspect is in that same word, exhort. Exhort does challenge, but it also comforts. Mm-hmm. In fact, the very word exhort, one of the words for exhort in Scripture has to be come alongside. It, it, it can challenge and also comfort. There are hurting people, hurting Christians. They're struggling with things and they're thinking, maybe I'm not really a Christian. Maybe, uh, maybe I, you know, whatever they may be going through. Hurting from loss. They need to be comforted. From the Word of God. Well, it is interesting you talk about this, this idea of, of expounding and preaching and teaching, and you look at 
first of Acts, the day of Pentecost, and Peter expounding the scriptures right. to these people. Old Testament scriptures. Yeah. yeah. So we have a, a, a concept of this already, and Jesus did this as he was teaching. Right. I mean, he yep. said, basically, I'm the fulfillment of this. I am that. <laughs> but he's expounding, Peter's expounding, and then all the apostles start doing this. So there's a pattern that's developed. And now you tell, you have Paul telling Timothy, this is how it's supposed to be done. If you look at, since you brought up the day of Pentecost, um, Paul expounds the truth, con- confronts them, and then must have convinced them. Hmm. He even confronts by saying, this one that God sent, you took and by wicked hands crucified. Hmm. Then they they respond, because he's preaching to a group here, and he's obviously requiring something of them. They say, what must we do? Hmm. And he says, repent and be baptized with reference to that repentance for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then they did. The comfort came from the fact that they believed the gospel. And right. this same Jesus whom they had crucified forgave their sins. So, so in, other ha- in other words, repeating that, sorry, in order to have faithful discipleship, there has to be the foundation of God, or the preaching of God's Word. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what about a faithful pastoral oversight? I can probably un- hear people listening to this going, you know, well, are we not going to get a little borderline authoritarian? Uh, maybe. We're not going to get, you know. <laughs> so, so what do we mean by this? Well, we have to get over our fear and distrust and even resistance to authority. Okay. Yeah, I mean, authority is a scriptural concept. Does that- I, I can understand that. I remember coming out of an organization that was very, fairly legalistic and, and was always trying to just order everything in your life, and everything had to be this way or you weren't quite attaining. And so then I could find myself reacting to that when I came out of it, any kind of nature of somebody applying Scripture to my life. And then I came to realize, no, application is a good thing. If you know Christ, you want to know how to obey Him in your life. So I think in relation to that, if you've been hurt in the past, there needs to be some understanding of that. But I think we have to at some point realize that the concept of authority is very biblical and there's a right way to do it. My wife and I were having – Pam and I were having this discussion, I guess it was last night, and uh, um, I said so. She was bringing up some abuses that she had seen, things that she saw as abuses, as overreach. And I said, okay, so what does faithful biblical pastoral oversight look like? And we never really got to that answer because we're always good at at uh, we can identify the problem. We don't know how to flip abuse. it on its head yeah, exactly. and, and now be biblical about it. Yeah. yeah, and it's a tension. But but there in the passage in First um, Peter five, Paul speaks to the elders. He said, "I also am an elder." Uh, then he says, um, "Feed the flock." The word there's shepherd the flock, and then he says. Uh, to over which the Lord has given you oversight. He uses the three words that are used in the New Testament for pastoral ministry. One is presbyteros, has to do with uh, authority, leading. Uh, poimain, which has to do with shepherding, caring. And the other is episkopos, which has to do with protecting and overseeing. And so you have there leading. God gives us spiritual leaders to lead. That means we're supposed to follow, you know, obey those who have the rule over you. 
and uh, there, uh, obeying is not a bad thing. This, should we be sensitive? Should we? We have souls. We have minds. We can think. We should not to be mindless. The Spirit robots. of God is within us. And and if if uh, this this is abused, we need to take note of. It. We need to confront. But generally speaking, yeah, because all authority is given. Yes, and so <laughs> it's not a right. Yeah, it just. And then the other is caring. Poimain's the idea of a shepherd who cared for his sheep. He led them. He helped them to avoid bad things. He fed them pastors to feed. And then uh, the word for oversight, idea there is protecting. Why does, why does the pastor, the elder, oversee the souls? It says in Hebrews that he will give an account of those souls. Well, if he's to give an account, he knows who the souls are. Let's go and back what's to church. Going mem- on. He, but go back to church membership. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's got people he knows are his sheep, and he's required to protect them. Uh, if they're going astray, what's he going to do? Well, the shepherd would get the hook and grab the sheep and pull them over in the right direction, gently get them away from danger. You know, uh, that's a figurative term, but the pastor should reach out to and, if necessary, rebuke and exhort in a personal way, not just from the pulpit, those who would go astray. So these aspects, this needs to be happening. It's not enough to visit the sick and and chew the fat and preach interesting sermons, even good, interesting theological sermons. The application of pastoral ministry comes as the pastor leads and cares and protects as he is the presbyteros, the poimain, the shepherd, and the episcopos, the overseer. As I listen to you talk about this from the biblical aspect, I feel like the contrast that you have drawn, as I look back at what I said at the very beginning of this point, the contrast that you have drawn is diametrically opposed to anything that anybody's experienced on a hurt level, meaning the person who hurt them and misapplied biblical authority. This is in contrast to that. It's shepherds loving their sheep. Right. And, and I think Peter talks about the need to hold these men accountable. Yep. You know, the, the yeah. need. I mean, Peter he talks about that says, clearly. don't be yes. overlords. Yeah. Don't, and don't. he tells them specifically, don't be overlords, yeah. which I, I take that to mean is, is, is if somebody's overlording you, then you need to deal with that. They're overreaching. <laughs> so I have a responsibility. Yeah. He has a responsibility, yeah. et cetera. So I think we have a contrast here. And what we're trying to say is, is that if you want to have good biblical discipleship, you have to have good biblical leadership. This is necessary. This is a necessary element. You're not going to make disciples well, and if you make them, you're not going to nurture and grow them well without this. Well, and, and they're examples to us of how to be disciplers. Right. To do this ministry yes. of discipleship. And we learn from them. Yeah. And we learn to care for our brothers and sisters. Okay, so we talked about gospel faithful teaching and preaching, uh, faithful pastoral oversight, or just pastoral leadership. Number six, an interactive body life. And this is one that I kind of hashed out with you because I felt like it was important. It's not enough just to see some of those main things you see, but what does it look like for us who are what I would call ministers, but we're members of the church, we're not part of the leadership necessarily. What does it look like as we live in this body of Christ? How do we, what does discipleship look like for us? Well, a lot often what, the church looks like is a group of people who come on Sunday and have some measure of involvement, and sometimes worship, yeah. no measure of involvement. All they see Christianity as is going to hear somebody speak. 
going to a service. That's not Christianity. Christianity is meant to be involved in a life, a body life, and that's our first concept, life itself. The reference to the Word of God, the analogy used to the, excuse me, to the church is body. And members of the body, body parts dependent on each other. The foot needs the feet, the hands, and the hands need the feet, and the head needs the neck. You know, this attachment, this connectedness, this dependence, that is part of life. If, you know, we all know that if our arm got severed from us, we could live without it. Right. But it would radically change things and, and change our challenges. We There's not a part, a member of, of the body of Christ that's not necessary or essential. We need the body. That's life. That's body life. So when people think, I don't really need the church, I'll go, I'll hear, I'll go home and you know, then I'll forget what I heard, and I'll go and do it in life. No, that's not church. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is actual attachment, interaction, dependence, interdependence, a life lived as one body. Some have liked to use the phrase organism, you know, at least in a symbolic way, that it's a body because it's it's spiritually an organism. It's 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 living, active, not uh, it's not just a, a club. Well, and I think all the things that we've talked about previous in our previous points, such as preaching, teaching, pastoral oversight, even just today, is a is a springboard by which we can then interact and do life with one another. We talk about it. We right. challenge one another right. with it. We hash it out maybe throughout the week. With if you have an accountability partner, you have small groups, whatever. So I think what we're talking about here is it's not just enough to show up on Sunday and have your corporate worship time, even doing all those quote biblical things. This is something that's got to be a part of our life. It's ongoing. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned in this. You asked this question earlier. What if somebody's out there and they're in a place, maybe a little town or community, and the church they're in doesn't look anything like this, and nobody seems to be interested? I think I asked that when we were off air. Yeah, when we were preparing. Uh, Yeah. Um, Then what do they do? Well, for some people, they could drive a half hour or maybe an hour and go to a good church. It's not ideal. You wouldn't recommend that, but they could do that. But for some people, that's not going to happen. That's not there. Then they have – if they love the Lord – and they want to be a growing disciple, want to make disciples, they're going to have to be, as you, the phrase you've used in the past, they're going to have to be the change they want to see. They may start with one person. A couple may start with one couple. And that does not mean condemning everybody for being wrong. No, we're not down on everybody. Thinking, right. We're simply Because nobody's going to, to listen to you, especially your leadership. <laughs> right. But as – okay, let's say the person asking this question is 30 years old or 35. Let's say they live to be 80 or 85, Lord granting. Then they got to think in terms of those 45 or 50 years. That We can't think in terms of just, oh, it's not happening, it's not going to happen. If you invest yourself in people for 45 or 50 years, there will be eternal results. There right. will be discipleship. It, it may not be as evident to you as it seems it should be now, but you can trust that there will be fruit in heaven from that. If this is all you have, if this is where God has put you, then by all means, make the investment. That mean, that leads us to the second concept here regarding an interactive body life, and that is love. Genuine love for the brothers and sisters. Um, As you put it when we were preparing, this is indispensable. 
Yes. It's... Uh, I mean, if there's going to be interactive body life, this has to be evident. I mean, and is this something I'm cultivating? If I don't love to be with the people of God, then there's an issue. And I think of COVID. I know we keep bringing this up. But I remember that time frame where we didn't go to church as in the building and uh-huh. gather as the assembly. For a while. We did not go to the church building where the people of God come, the church come. And I missed it. I missed it. I, yeah. I longed for I it. I longed for being with the oh, people God. that I fellowship with on a regular basis and did life with. There was a hole. There was something missing. And I think that's that has to be there. If you didn't feel that, I'm going to make this application. If you didn't feel that during COVID, then it's time for you to cultivate a love for the brethren. Yes. That means it become a priority in your prayers and you're looking at Scripture and you're and – you're, praying to God for help to be a disciple. Let me share this. I shared it with my small group, and I may have shared it in one of these um, podcasts. But, you know, sometimes, often, I'll go into worship, to corporate worship. We have a certain place we sit. I sit there because I can hear better there. And so often what I'll do is try to quiet my heart. Sometimes that's hard because a lot of noise going on. But Mm -hmm. I try to quiet my heart, and then I'll get up, and I'll just look around. I don't know a lot of some of these people, but they are. Because we have like over three hundred pretty good size congregation. So what I do is I just pray, God, move upon your church, draw your people, draw the lost, but work among, walk among your people. May the word have an effect upon your people. Cultivate this love. I, I, the Lord's Day is the crown of the week. This is the day we get to be with the people of God. So we should love the people of God. Well. By this shall all people know right. that you are my disciples, that you love one another. That is the one thing. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we have life and love for the interactive body life. Our last point here, as we finally land this plane, an intentional evangelistic training. You know, people immediately think sewing classes. Right. Not Romans bad. Road, all that stuff. Not bad. Right. Not wrong. But that's not exactly what we are thinking about here. That may be a part of this. It's going to depend on the church and how they approach evangelism. But every church should at least have an approach to evangelism. I think there are three aspects. One, we, we this intentionality comes by exposition. Now, we referred to that in our other point. We talked about gospel, faithful, preaching, teaching, ministry. Witnessing. Evangelism, making Christ known, should be a part of that exposition, that proclamation. Go into all the world and make disciples of all creation, of all creatures. That means how shall they hear without a preacher? Yes. Romans. Uh, And the people got an axe. They went chatting about Jesus. They were scattered. Yes. As they were scattered, they went chatting, gossiping about Jesus. Um, So this this should be a part of our exposition. But then there is – we do it by example. Church leaders, church teachers, men and women. To who our are, neighbors, our co-workers, who are more, our family members. Men and women in our church who are more mature, who are walking with Christ, talk about the opportunities they had to witness, mm-hmm. the times they've shared the gospel. My dad used to do that around the table. When I was a boy, I grew up listening to my dad talk about, hey, witness to the guys he worked with. Mm. He brought it up. You know, was he the best in the world? Probably not. But he, he was a witness. You right. know? And uh, uh, so – there's that example, uh, exposition example, and there's explanation. Now, you say, well, exposition is explanation. I want to 
Yeah, I want to look at that a little further, though. I want to think more on a personal level. When we explain evangelism, we do it, first of all, by by a personal understanding of the gospel. Okay, here we're going to go back to our first point, a right. clear gospel. From last week, yeah. A clear biblical gospel. We're going right back full circle to know the gospel, to know what it says, to know how to apply it, to know what it means, what the issues of the gospel are, the priority and purity of the gospel, <clears throat> and then trust that gospel and, tr- and inculcate in people who to whom we are close our trust of the gospel. You know, that communicates. Right. So there's that personal understanding of the gospel, and then there's our personal experience of the gospel. In other words, we all have a testimony. They're not all alike. I, t- I spoke with someone recently and asked about how they came to be uh, a Christian, how they were converted. They couldn't give me a time. But mm-hmm. they knew. And that's me. That's how I was. Yeah, yeah. They knew the time. I said, well, you know, I'm not with you. I said, I don't know. I said, I can give you but a But I know who my – have believed. Yes. And right. I am persuaded. I know who I'm looking to. Yeah. Other people, they had that radical, that sky momentary splitting. change. Not momentary, but moment yeah. change of. Yeah. 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 Driving to the knees, weeping right. experience. Pauline like experience. Coulson who pulled over on the side <laughs> of the road and wept and couldn't drive. He was weeping. Right. So, you know, those kinds of things. You have that. But a personal experience of the gospel, a saying, I know Christ. He brought me to see my sin. This is the kind of thing. That's evangelistic, hmm. you know. Look for opportunities to share that, so that that making disciples is a part of our life. Lifestyle evangelism. Some people poo-poo that. They say, "Well, yeah, people for lifestyle evangelism, they're not really into to winning people. They just kind of, you know." Which you no. do need to speak. You have to speak truth. <clears throat> yes, do yes. it. Make it a part of your life. Look for opportunities. I do. I look for opportunities. Just to, if it's just a sentence right. to say a word for Christ. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, and I think we could keep going and keep talking. I would encourage our listeners, there may be questions after all this, especially after these last two weeks. At the end here, Tom, our producer, will give the all the contact information to get a hold of us and ask a question. We want clarification. We'd be glad to dialogue and interact with you on that. And for those who are single, this is the subject we're going to be Absolutely. really diving into yep. at Passion for Christ Summit 2020. At the end of October. Yeah. Uh, you can go to our website at visionliving.org and find out more information. We'd like so, to have you with us. It's a great time. We thank you for joining us, and we will be taking a break. Just so our listeners know, uh, we'll be doing a message that Dad preached uh, at one of our local congregations here in the area over the next two weeks after this. Um, I'm going on vacation. Very much looking forward to that. And so you will get to hear Dad preach a message he preached a few weeks back. Um, Look forward to hearing from you, Dad, on that, and um, and we'll join you in another two weeks as we start a, either a new series or a one-time episode. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you can find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living. Or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Crosstalk.